host, Michelle Prince, founder and CEO of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Michelle Prince with the Power of Authority Spotlight. We are going to have a great show today. Uh, I love spotlighting business owners, entrepreneurs, founders that are doing awesome things. And Amisha Srimanka, Srimanka, I even asked how to pronounce it and then I just butchered it, Um, is doing awesome things, not just in her own business, but she's really helping other entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, and founders because she is doing all kinds of great things to help them get their brand out there. She's a conversion copywriter and founder of The Copy Crew, which we'll learn more about here shortly. But welcome to the show, Amisha. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I am stoked to be here. Yeah, same. You know, this is such a great uh, conversation because one thing I know is that, and and I, you know, help people to get their stories out and build platforms. But one thing I know for sure is that nobody knows about your book, your course, your, your platform or anything, unless you are really good at marketing it and getting it out there and in front of the people that need to, to read about it or hear about it the most. Um, And that's what you help people do. Yes. I think uh, copywriting and, uh, I don't want to like bring up someone who <laughs> said this like hundreds of years ago, but it's so true even today in the digital times that we live in that copywriting is really salesmanship in print. So, and we live in a digital world. So anything that you're putting out there, your words have power. They say a lot of things and, you know, they can move people to click, buy, listen to you and do all sorts of things. So yes, there's a lot of power in the words that you write and the words that you choose. I love it. Yeah. And it's a skill. I do know that. So I remember when I started my business, it's been, uh, gosh, since 2009. And I was part of a a mastermind group at the time. And there were, and copywriting was a really big thing. And there were a lot of copywriters in there. And I learned the, the importance of it. Because like you said, we're in a digital world. That's how we connect. Unless you're running into somebody at a conference, it's really hard to know just by reading if your service, your business, what you do is the right fit. Um, so how did you, how did you get into copywriting? Cause I know it just doesn't happen naturally. It is a skill. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think a lot of copywriters just wake up the, you know, in the morning and say, I'm going to be a copywriter today and exactly. start my business. Right. So I started my uh, copywriting business, the copy crew, which is a boutique copywriting agency. I started it in 2018 and I was doing it. I was doing copywriting before I actually officially call myself a copywriter. Uh, honestly, I had friends like peers who were business coaches and, uh, you know, um, I, they would send me work. They would be like, Hey, can you take a look at this email? Can you take a look at this landing page? What do you think needs to be tweaked? I'm not getting a lot of uh, leads or signups and, uh, how can you improve this? And I had a way with words even back then. Like I, I, and I, and, I, and it's funny at the time I called myself a business coach because I wanted to like, and I was in the online space, but I was not officially a copywriter. And I would look at their stuff and say, you know what, why don't you tweak this or change this word to something more powerful and then do this. And these little tweaks would get them results. And they would come back and say, like, you know what, those suggestions, they really paid off because guess what? I have people signing up. This funnel is working and all the things. And late in 2018, I joined a mastermind and my coach, my mentor at the time, she's like, you got to pick a side. 
do you want to do business coaching or do you want to be a copywriter? Uh, or you, no, I think it was like, do you want to build funnels? Because funnels is a big part of what I do. Or do you want to uh, call yourself a copywriter? And I'm like, you know what? I love words. I am not tech savvy. And like, you know, you and I talked about before we kind of recorded this, uh, I'd like to do copywriting and that's officially what I'm going to like, you know, um, put a stake in the ground and say, I'm a copywriter. So late 2018 is when I kind of started and uh, I haven't looked back since then. Um, and, you know, I have said no to everything else. Um, you know, building seven, uh, $7 tripwire products and building writing eBooks and doing all those little, little things that really did move the um, needle in my business journey. And uh, here we are. <laughs> wow. So, and I love that because you're having to do a lot of the things that you were coaching business or clients on probably, yeah. right? Like all the things, because there's no lack of things we can do to market our business. Let's be honest. No, <laughs> that's the overwhelming part. There's so many different ways in figuring it out, but you're having to navigate that yourself with your own business. Yeah, totally. And uh, you know what I, it, it's, it's come, life has come a little bit of a full circle. Now that I have been in this for three years, I have written copy for so many of my clients, amazing people. Um, I am now in this position where I can kind of like speak about my experiences and share them with other copywriters who may be a few steps behind me. Like, Hey, how did you negotiate this? Or how did you work with this client? And how can I put myself out there? So it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? I'm not only helping clients to launch their thing. I'm also supposed, you know, I'm also responsible to market my business. And now I have people coming to me and saying like, Hey, how do you market yourself as a service provider? Because copywriters, graphic designers, or what have you, we are service providers end of the day. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like I'm helping people to put themselves out there, but I also have to do that for myself. So yeah, it's a skill. It is, it is, it is. Um, so I'm always curious about people's backstory. And you said you started this in 2018. What did you do prior to that? Oh my gosh. I have been an entrepreneur for the longest time. I started my first business uh, at my kitchen table uh, in 2008. And it was nothing to do with the online space, nothing to do with copywriting or anything in the, you know, what I'm doing today. Uh, it was a food export business, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I've been in Philadelphia. I have this is the city is my home 15 years. And I started my business in 2008. Um, it was where I would travel to trade shows and I would uh, promote North American food products, primarily, you know, U.S. products, uh, food products. And I would, you know, uh, have a booth at every trade show in a few countries where I wanted to like, you know, promote them and I would sell. And I was sort of the middleman between the manu uh, American manufacturers and uh, importers in foreign countries who would want to buy more of American food products. And I was like that go, go in between the media, you know, the, the negotiator, the mediator or what have you. And that's how I, uh, you know, started my business. And it was very exciting for me because I got to travel and this was before kids. And I, I joke about this because the only emails I wrote back then was like, Hey, today's uh, frying oil is this price. And if you want it, we can ship this in two days. <laughs> that was it. Like three lines. Like, do you want it? And here's the price. And, you know, I can never do that today in the kind of um, online world that we are now because there's so much of storytelling, persuasion. There's just so much, so many layers, but it worked uh, pretty well in that, in that part of my business. So um, that's what I did for 10 years. And then I had my daughter, no, uh, sorry, eight years. And then I had my daughter in 2016, my second born. And she was a preemie. 
And I realized that I couldn't travel as much. And I have two kids with my son. I got away with some of the traveling. I'm like, you know what? One child, I can take care of this. But when I had my daughter in 2016, I remember telling myself like, you know what? I can't travel as much for work anymore. I can't do that many trade shows. And that was one thing. But the other part of it was um, I was creatively dissatisfied with what I was doing. There was this thing in me that like, you know what? I meant for something more. I wanted some, I want to explore something else. Scary time to pivot, right? But that was what was going on in my mind as I was in the hospital bed, believe it or not, uh, not very maternal. Um, and I'm like, I'm kind of like uh, switch tracks to something that's making, you know, that lights me up. What I have right now, my current business does not. So 2016, I, you know, after I had my daughter, I started exploring the online space. I'm like, okay, what is it that I can do, uh, which is not, does not require for me to travel. Mm-hmm. I don't want to enter another product-based business because that's what I had when I started with my first business. Um, I want to like, you know, do some more consulting work. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I thought like maybe I should become a business coach, but I didn't, you know, and it took me a while. So 2016 to 2018 are my interesting years because I was really trying to find myself in the online space. I didn't quite have a knack of what I wanted to do. And thankfully, 2018, um, you know, after a lot of trials and tribulations, I'm like, okay, tw- I think I'm going to do copywriting and it's stuck. So, yay. Oh, wow. Well, I can so relate to your story. And I, I actually know a lot of listeners can too. And because I was in the same place, I, I was in a oh. career and I was just so yeah. un- unhappy. I started, I had started having kids and I was traveling all the time. Mm. And I just kept thinking, I, I I just want to make a difference. I don't want to, you know, selling software was making a difference for somebody, but not in the way I just felt like I was, surely I was made for more than just this. And that's when I started to explore just what would I do if I could do anything? And that was 2008 when all of those thoughts really started. And then in 2009, I wrote a book intending Mm -hmm. it to only be for my kids. Um, And then in 2010 is really when I started a business. So I get it. But that evolution, I think is important because you know, we can do so many different things, but you have to keep the balance of priorities in place. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're miserable, your family's miserable and, and there has to be that balance. Yeah, totally. I think, um, and you're right, it is an evolution, right? And I think it's kind of like, um, it's a tricky thing, I think, for women, uh, particularly like you're trying to pay attention to your desires as well. And you also want to kind of do the right thing for your family. So it's like that, um, yeah, it, it, you're not going to instantly get it. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time to kind of like, you know, find that sweet spot. Like, okay, I've, you know, I feel creatively satisfied. This is a work I want to do. And my family is not suffering yes. <laughs> for it. Yeah. Which is ultimately long-term, you know, what, what it's all about, but totally. totally. So to me, I'm, uh, I'm not a copywriter. I am a writer. I write books, yeah. but it's a very different skill set. And so what would you say to a business owner, entrepreneur, founder, like what are the three or four or five things that you have to do when it comes to writing copy? What's important? Um, I think one of the most important things, really, there, there are lots of things, um, but I'm going to kind of like um, summarize what I think is truly important. If you want to start writing copy, uh, and you know, you don't have to hire a copywriter because not everybody typically has a budget. And, uh, what I will say is that the copywriter that you hire, unless they know, unless they can get your voice, which is so important when you're communicating with your audience, if that is missing, then there's a discord, right? There's a disconnect. So what I would love for every business owner out there who wants to write their own copy is 
truly understand your audience. And I know this may seem very simple, but it is so like, um, you know, people leave this out most of the time. So, and I'll give you an example. Like when clients come to me and say, hey, I want to launch a digital course. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Let's talk about your audience. Uh, have you communicated with them? Do you write email newsletters to them? I say newsletters, I, you know, yeah. I sound yeah. very dated, right? <laughs> Are you emailing them often? What does your open rate look like? And, um, you know, have you sold anything before to them? How well do you know your audience? Are they moms? Are they busy? Like, you know, do they have time for a webinar? I mean, they come to me and say, I think I should do a webinar launch. I'm like, okay, awesome. Who's your audience? I have moms who have toddlers. Well, are they going to be sticking around for an hour of, uh, you know, while you pitch them on the webinar? Maybe not. <laughs> so knowing your audience is something very important. And you can do that by like sending them surveys, like, you know, not just like, hey, how often do you open my email, but like kind of really get their interest. Like, what shows do you watch? And um, do you have kids? And um, uh, what does your business look like? What does your life look like? Try to get them on the phone if you can, or have a Zoom call with them. Interviews are the goldmine of information where you kind of like talk to your uh, ideal clients and like really spend like 15, 20 minutes and getting to know them at those coffee chats, like uh, those virtual coffee chats. The point is the more you know your audience, the better your messaging is, the better you will connect with them. And you'll be like, oh, you have a three-year-old. I know what that's like. I have a three-year-old. This is what happened to me. This is a day in the life of my life, you know, yeah. what I had to go through. And people will respond like, oh my gosh, I am so with you on that story. I could relate because I'm going through the same thing. So knowing your audience is very important. Um, the other couple of things I want to tell you is like, yeah, so know your audience, speak to them, connect with them, all those things. And really the copy, and then it just comes easier. Then it depends on what you're trying to sell to them. So if you have an offer, of course, don't sell them something that they don't want, kind of like get their feedback, their buy-in, like, hey, I'm thinking of launching something like this. Do you think that's going to be helpful to you? And would, would you want to buy it? And you can ask this question on a survey, right? And if some of them say, yes, I would love to buy something like this. So, okay, great. Awesome. That's when you go and start building it, but do not. And I see this happen to a lot of my clients. They come to me and say, hey, I've already created a digital course. I want you to help me market it, which is they kind of do it backwards, right? Like, don't create a course when you don't know you've got an audience who wants to even buy it. So get their, get your audience's buy-in when you're creating something. And if they're, if they're raising their hands, they may not necessarily buy it in the end of the day, but if they're raising their hands, they're interested. It tells me that there is potential interest. They could be convinced to buy it. And then uh, the other thing I would say is pay attention to what are their hesitations or objections if they did not buy. That is something that you can learn. That is also something like, you know, I did not buy it because I don't think I am qualified enough or I don't think I can do this or I don't have time and money are common. But I think I would urge your uh, business owners to look beyond those two things like, hey, time and money are always going to be there. Let's look at a deeper level, like what's really going on in their mind. Mm. Like, do they think they're going to be comfortable in the, say it's a coaching container, it's a co group coaching program. Are they going to be comfortable with the kind of people who are in that program? Do they feel safe? Would they feel heard? There are so many things that, you know, it will kind of like blow your mind when you come to read that and say, why did people say no to your offer? Mm. It's like, um, you know, I don't think I would be comfortable with a group of people who are already so far ahead. And I think I don't have enough I don't think I'm good enough to be in that room. And I've seen responses like that. And that's very telling. So that tells you 
that maybe you need to kind of like tailor your messaging to kind of speak to that demographic. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, I mean, not necessarily in those words, but kind of like position your offer saying that it doesn't matter what's the experience and it depends on your offer, right? Like if you are accepting people who are advanced, advancing entrepreneurs, it might not right be, it not might be right for everybody. But if you think that, hey, there's another reason why this, this person should be in the group and they kind of rejected themselves, mm-hmm. you want to like touch on that. Like, hey, let's have a phone call. Let's have a conversation. Why did you say no? I would like to. And, you know, maybe your messaging needs to reflect that. Maybe it needs to hold that space in your messaging that, you know, this is for you and this is why you should join and not talk yourself out of it. So there's so many ways. And I know I'm kind of rambling, but it really comes down to knowing your audience very well and then crafting the messaging and then creating an offer. So start there. The rest comes easy. The funnel is easy. The tech is <laughs> the funnel's easy. outsourced. Yeah, famous last words. Yeah. That's not my, my strength, but I'm curious. So if somebody comes to you and they do know their audience and they have an idea for, it could be anything, a course or, or whatever, what would the process look like? Like how, how do you and, and when do you need to get involved before, like you said, you know, before they create something, but what's the process of working with you? Oh, great. Okay. So when they come to me and, you know, there's something called, that I've uh, created, uh, developed, it's called the five stages of your offer. Okay. <laughs> Try to like judge where they are, not judge. That's the wrong word. Assess where they are. If they are in the ideation phase where they're like, Hey, I have an idea and it could be a passion project mm-hmm. that could be like, okay. Before you hire me to write copy, let's just have a strategy session where we kind of like look at your idea and see if it's even got legs, meaning is there, is there offer validation? So if someone comes to me with an idea and they say, I want to sell this, what I suggest to them is, all right, here's how I'm going to work with you. Let me, let my, let me and my team do all the market research for you. We will talk to your people, your audience, your potential audience. We will do competitor research. We'll see if this idea has legs. Okay. So, and that is very valuable. In fact, I just wrapped up a project with this gentleman. Um, He's a dentist and uh, he's an industry influencer and he wanted to launch a course. And he's like, I already have a course. It's not an idea. I've fully developed a course and have an audience, but I don't, and I want to take it to another audience, a different, totally different audience. So what we did for him was we did all the market research. We kind of like, you know, took his course for to this other audience and we found out what was working what was not and what needed complete restructuring and it did need complete restructuring because that other audience was not going to pick up on this course so when someone comes to me with that like hey i'm not validated i'm not sold it i want to a either change my audience or b i have an idea and i don't know if i even if i have an audience we do all the market research work for them so say if somebody comes to me and say hey i have a course i have validated it I have sold it and I had a very first scrappy launch. I am ready to go bigger. What that means to me is like awesome because those offers are much easier to work with when you mm-hmm. have, when there's proof in the pudding. In that case, what I do is like, okay, you had a scrappy launch. What do we need to do between now and the next time you want to launch it? So obviously I'm going to be looking at traffic. I'm going to be looking at how are they keeping their current existing audience warm between mm-hmm. the launches. Very important. A lot of people do that. They're like, okay, here's my thing. Buy my thing. And they, people buy it. And then they disappear for six months. And then they come back and they're like, I'm relaunching it. Are you interested? Well, no, they're not. Because six months you've ghosted your audience, right? So we kind of look at everything else. We look at how warm they've been keeping their list. 
we look at how we can like kind of start seeding the next launch. We have, you know, what we call a launch runway. We come up with different topics. We kind of warm up a new audience again. We um, work on their visibility strategy. Um, I don't do Facebook ads. So that's something that if they want to do Facebook ads and start getting more leads, that's a different topic. But we kind of like help them to start getting new traffic in. And then we build an offer. We uh, work on the copy on the rest of the funnel, meaning get them a new sales page, get them new emails, landing pages and all that. So it really depends on the kind of funnel they're going for. Is it a challenge funnel? Is it a webinar funnel? So it, it's more complex when you have a proven offer, surprisingly, because <laughs> then there's other stuff that you have to worry about. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. So you can go, you can start with that ideation stage and then all the way up to somebody who has a fully baked, you yeah. know, that's yeah, really yeah. awesome. Wow. Um, what would you say? So you probably have a good pulse on marketing just because you're using copy to launch all different types of things. Is there anything that you're seeing is working right now, like courses and all this, but. Um, what I'm seeing that is working right now. And there's been a little bit of a shift, especially in the last couple of years, because 2020, everybody jumped online, right? Like whether it's a course for your, I don't know, 10 year old, or if it's a course that you want to learn, right? And the, the online learning industry is kind of like really ballooned up and uh, so to speak. Um, what I am noticing now is that people are truly overwhelmed. There's a lot of burnout. And if they are going to invest in a course or a program, they want the program promise or the offer promise to be very specific. Mm -hmm. I think it's not, this is not the time to kind of like create a, hey, 10 module course because people's uh, attention spans are even very short. Mm -hmm. They want to kind of like get in, learn it and get out. Like if you can promise them that they're going to learn something in four weeks, four to six weeks, mm -hmm. right? and be very specific with one single promise and not overstuff the content. And I get it, right? We're all creatives. We love our stuff. We can talk about it for hours. But if you're like, if it's a program promise where, uh, okay, I'm going to help you write a book. Mm -hmm. That's a different process then. But don't create a program that says, I'm going to help you write a book and I'm going to help you sell it. And I'm going to help you like launch, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. See if there's a way that you can break that up mm -hmm. because it's very overwhelming. And a lot of people may not even finish it. Like course completion is the thing. A lot of people are not finishing courses that they're buying. That's also a sign of worry. Like, why aren't people finishing? Um, so I'm seeing like, you know, go easy on the content. Like don't uh, bloat your courses with information. Even your coaching programs, don't bloat with information. Keep it maybe a smaller cohort, um, you know, keep it a shorter timeline. Stick to a one very specific promise that they're going to, you know, get out, get in and get out with. And I think you can have stronger attention spans because it's not a lot of stuff. The other thing is what I'm seeing is kind of working is maybe not adding that many bonuses. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of flack for this because adding bonuses and, you know, putting a juicy bonus before the cart is closing on your offer is kind of like one of those things where marketers think like, hey, it's going to get a lot of fence sitters. We're sitting on the fence and if they see this juicy bonus, they will want to jump in. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you have people thinking that, oh, this bonus alone makes it worth coming to this program. Mm -hmm. What I have found is that um, you want to make sure that the bonuses are even relevant to the offer that you're selling. People don't want a lot of bonuses anymore mm -hmm. because again, that spells content overwhelm. They're like, oh my gosh, in order to succeed, I need to go through all these other bonuses to even make sense of what I want or the the outcome that I want to achieve. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like 
holding them back. So go easy on the bonuses, make them relevant. Uh, don't add too many, too many of them. So basically, yeah, content overwhelm, just kind of like step yeah. away and say like, make my promise very specific. Um, one more last thing, and I'll, I'll keep quiet on this <laughs> is um, cohort based uh, coaches, I mean, um, courses. So what that means is like, you know, actually it's kind of like a hybrid. It's like you have a digital course and you are including some live coaching that works very well as well. It's more of a hybrid container versus, okay, this is a DIY course. Here's the course, have fun with it. Good luck. And I will never see you again. And, uh, you know, so there, there's some power in that hybrid thing where like you have recorded content, which is a course content and they go through it. And then you have those live uh, coaching calls that can help them like, okay, you went through modules one, two, three, two, three, let's talk about, you know, let's, let's get into some Q and A. So there's that hybrid uh, container that works. That's such great advice. Cause just thinking of myself as a, as a buyer, you know, when I, I one, I don't buy a course that has too much because that's just overwhelmed to me. I have enough on my plate, but you're right. Yeah. If I'm buying a course, it's for one specific reason. And I want to learn it and move on. And two, I don't, as much as I'm capable of doing it all on my own, I'd like to talk to somebody or bounce ideas or, or ask questions. So that's really great advice. I like that. Yeah, thank so you. basically create something that you would want to buy, right? Instead of like what everyone says and what's, oh, this is what you should do or whatever. Um, thinking about being very specific on the audience and then finding out what they want before you create it is really a, a key I'm hearing. Yeah, it's it's simple, but a lot of people want to like skip the step and say, hey, I just want to create something and sell it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Well, I could talk to you all day. This is so great. Um, awesome information. I'm, I'm always, um, I'm fascinated by marketing because I know what it does, but I also know that the, you know, you, you can't just slap something up on a page and expect people to buy. And that copywriting is such an important part of that. So um, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, just go to my website, thecopycrew.com. And um, socially, I hang out on Instagram, uh, same handle. Uh, so the copy crew awesome. on Instagram. Awesome. Well, Amisha, thank you so much for being on the show. This was just so great. And hopefully everyone listening has been taking notes and uh, reach out to Amisha for sure at thecopycrew.com. And thanks again for being a guest. Awesome. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. Loved it. You bet. All right. Well, that's it for today, uh, everyone. We will see you next time on the Power of Authority Spotlight. Have a great day. for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you're a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit us at go.michelleprince.com forward slash podcast dash guest to apply. That's go.michelleprince.com forward slash podcast dash guest. Also, 